Welcome to our podcast. I'm Josh Way. I'm Dan Hammer. And we are here to revisit a movie that one or both of us has seen before and find out how it holds up. How are you holding up, Dan? I'm holding up just just swell. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm having a good night. It's not a night for you, is it? It's an afternoon. But that's... It's an afternoon, and it's a beautiful, sunny Seattle afternoon. Oh, wonderful. People mm-hmm. may not know that we're bi-coastal on <laughs> this podcast, but it's true. Did you see anything good this week, Dan? I saw two things, and one was good. That was me seeing us again. And then I ah. saw something that was better than I thought. Josh, are you ready for some Dumbo? I do, I do not believe that I am. <laughs> Can you believe that I went and saw Dumbo? No, I can't because I'm, uh, I've mentioned other movies to you that may not look great, but I think they're at least interesting and you're very dismissive. And then you tell me that you saw Dumbo. Yeah, I <laughs> just kind of like Dumbo. You know, I think the thing was that everyone was not liking Dumbo that I was reading. Yeah. And a little bit about me, you know, I'm an Enneagram type four. I have to be unique. And so sure. if I see everyone not liking Dumbo, that means I have to go see it and like it. Wow. I'm going to find, I'm going to figure out a way to use that against you at some point, but for <laughs> just now, try, just I mean... try to find anything popular that <laughs> right. I like. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, we'll get there one of these days. I did like now, us. Us is popular. It is popular and we're riding that crest. Yes. I did, I saw it again as well. Do you want to say anything about Dumbo or is that it? No, I do want to talk about Dumbo a little okay. bit. I feel like there were odd expectations because at once, if you're a fan of Tim Burton, you sort of expect not to like his stuff these days, right? Correct. Yes. So that's I feel like... Strongly how I feel. Right. And, I, and that's what I'm hearing over and over. And so it's kind of like, well, this is Tim Burton. It should be better. But nobody really expects it to be, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't know that this was Tim Burton's work necessarily to see it, mm-hmm. which I think surprises no one. Yeah. And Dumbo's story is just so slim in the classic original. It's charming and lovely and heartwarming, but there's not much going on there. Mm-hmm. That simply taking the central idea of this elephant that has big ears and can learn to fly and giving it a little bit more substantial story works just fine. If it mm. were a substantial story to begin with, then adding to it would be cumbersome and torturous. But that's not what this is. I feel like if Dumbo didn't have its big history and if Tim Burton didn't have all of this baggage as a director, a movie like this would come and people would think, oh, that was a charming, lovely, sort of sad movie. Yeah. My re- my objections are completely meta. They're not necessarily what a normal movie goer would, you know, think. I I object already to Disney remaking all of their animated films as if they could somehow be polished or improved or whatever and then uh and then there's the Tim Burton baggage on top of that. So and then there's the whole ready to rumble thing that you just uh, ready to dumbo thing that you just <laughs> Is that is that the edit opening? As an edit point for you. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I would not even have noticed that anachronism had I not read about it before. Okay. I would have just thought it was an announcer announcing Dumbo's entrance. Okay. All right. Fair those, enough. Those, those some Dumbo in, you know, 1920 or whenever it is, I, right. I doubt that the idea of you can do some of a person or a thing 
mm-hmm. is some is a way oh, right. they probably did not speak. Right. I'm pretty bad at an, at spotting anachronisms usually. Anyway, I was just reading. Did you see Bone Tomahawk? No. Oh, I was popping around Letterbox the other day. Tom Bone Tomahawk is is really interesting and good. It's kind of brutal, but it's it's interesting. But I saw a, a Letterbox review that just said, "I knew the moment I saw the uh, the main character's wife in the anachronistic reverse cowgirl position that this was pure <laughs> genre fluff." <laughs> that was the reverse cowgirl. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. I'll send you some heterosexual links after the after the show. <laughs> To tutor myself. Right. So to speak. Okay. How about I'll get my other review out of the way and then we can talk about revisiting us. Let's do I, it. I saw Gloria Bell, which is um, a foreign language director. I believe he's South American, Central American, uh, remaking his own film in English for American audiences with uh, Julianne Moore and John Turturro. And oh, it's excellent. Uh, the kind of movie I really enjoy, it's kind of like just an empathy bomb. You just spend time with a, with a character. It's very real and quiet, and and uh, I, re- I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm willing to go on Julianne Moore alone. Just the big cardboard cutouts in the theater of her just joyously smiling off into the metaphor of distance. Yeah, I'll go to that movie. Yeah. I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> I don't care. I'll go. I think you'll enjoy yourself. So we both saw us again. Where are you now? A week later, where are you on us? Do you, do you hate it now? Well, no. I have no shame, first off. But if I did, I would feel embarrassed about my take from last week. Because already a day or two after, I'm like, oh, what was I thinking? Right. <laughs> it's completely wrong. I understand what was going on so much better. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd say it's a real thinking person's film, but I am just simply not that observant. And a second watch us was all the all the tighter to me and stuff that i was really confused about after the first watch is suddenly quite clear that adelaide always had the power to control the people above she was different she was an experimental success which i did not realize Hmm. it seems most of the other tethered ended up being controlled by the people above but Mm -hmm. she had that gift from below and it was her who drew red down through the house of mirrors and that suddenly makes perfect sense to me wow i Uh, continue to go with my conspiracy theory that the boys were switched we don't have to go into all of that now sure and it's less complex than a lot of reddit Mm -hmm. holes that i went down yeah but i can see that and i don't even think it's that concealed if he wanted to conceal it he could have done the exact same thing and concealed it for a big shocker in a sequel Right. But he didn't. He he gave a lot of knowing glances and left a lot of clues. Yeah, I think that I come away a week later seeing it again, listening to podcasts, reading threads. Uh, I agree with the primary criticism pretty solidly, but I don't really care because the experience uh, was so enjoyable for me. I uh, like it, too. I get bored so easily in the movies. And I was never bored in Us. Yeah. I feel like that alone. You know, I, I can go to a movie in the theater twice and not be bored. Right. And thinking what time yeah. it is. And That's a rare thing. Yeah. So I'm pro Us still. Good. Uh, you love Us? <laughs> I love Us. Yeah. All those other critics, they didn't get it. Right. You know, but I am kind of set apart from them. 
literal minded peons. I liked it. Good. Excellent. We liked it. Holds up stamp of approval. <laughs> a week later. <laughs> I'm imagining what in uh, 2039, you know, we'll, we'll revisit us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Holds up. <laughs> Holds up. Uh, all right. Do you want to hear some movie news? I do. Okay, uh, today the trailer dropped for Jim Jarmusch's zombie film. Are you familiar with Jim Jarmusch? Remind me. Uh, Dead Man with Johnny Depp. Uh, Down by Law. That doesn't sound like my jam. Doesn't sound like my Jarmusch. Anyway, what this is essentially is a uh, beloved weirdo art house director making a zombie movie with Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, and Adam Driver in it. And it looks like it's... It's weird. This year we have Claire Denis, the French director, making a science fiction movie with Robert Pattinson, and we have Jim Jarmusch making a zombie movie. It's very, very strange to see these kind of art house people doing uh, broad appeal genre flicks, but it's worth a, a peek. It looks interesting. Yeah, I'll see anything with Tilda Swinton in it. Sure. And Adam Adam Driver, I don't know why he was never on my radar before this past right. year with... Uh, you know, he's from Black Klansman and from hosting right. SNL. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, right. his two credits. Yeah, no, he's excellent. And he is, I uh, strongly recommend Jarmusch's last movie, which was an Amazon Prime exclusive, Patterson, not to be confused with Paddington or Paddleton. Patterson <laughs> is a movie about a, an amiable bus driver who writes poetry. So one where Ray Romano finds his way into a warm British family? Uh, yeah, sure. That one. <laughs> Paddleton too. Paddleton too. All right. Uh, oh, this I just found this 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 pair of headlines was back to back on the wrap, and it just made me. Huh? Dumbo falls short of expectations at forty five million. I should I should fall so short. <laughs> right. Right. And meanwhile, anti abortion drama unplanned soars above expectations with six million. So, wow. I don't know that the mysteries of the box office. I find that uh, I. I go to the movies two or three times a week, and I would say at least twice a month I see a faith-based or at least a uh, kind of um, family values title in the trailers. Um, I think there's been a lot of fundraising in that direction to try and get uh, faith-based, values-based entertainment out of like the uh, you know VHS tapes in the church basement and into theaters because I'm seeing a lot more of it lately. I respond to it with such hostility and negativity. I have to just remember to take a breath and I want everyone to do what they want. So if that thrills someone and makes them want to go spend, you know, 15 bucks at the theater, go enjoy your night and I don't have to go to it. Sure. Right. Exactly. Everybody should get to make the movies they want to make. The more troubling trend is that the movies that get released are just are more and more tentpole movies and that smaller movies are falling through the cracks and ending up places like Amazon and Netflix and that you have to kind of make a a big splash or be an existing property if you want to get that focus uh, in in theaters. And that's unfortunate. I thought it was interesting, you know, even on when was it Friday, I saw some some story and it's just like Dumbo will surpass us in its second weekend and i thought how do you know right on friday i know that very smart people do these projections and they have a lot of ways to look into things but they thought us was going to make what 30 some million and it made 
70 or something yeah. in its first weekend. You, you just don't know. And the same with Dumbo. Like, I don't know what us is going to make its second weekend and who knows how Dumbo is going to do. Right. Well, you're uh, you're Mr. Awards season. So there's machinations behind awards projections that I think you have a better handle on than I do. Is there some kind of a, you know, math going on or is this just people, is this just like studio buzz that gets passed off as news? I think that it's studio buzz. I will say on the awards, um, on the awards topic that us was the first thing to go up at awards daily this year. They have a little scrolling thing off to the right margin. It's emptied the night after Oscar night and then it starts to be populated. Mm. And, um, Lupita Nyong'o and Elizabeth Moss, I believe, were the first oh, wow. people on the board this year. I guess it's the first big contender movie, although I don't know if it's going to survive just because of the way horror movies do. But uh, that's good. I think Gloria Bell, I would I would also hope that it yeah, would. Julianne Moore, Julianne Moore is there good, good. with Lupita, I'm looking right now. And uh, Mary Kay Place for Diane, oh, yeah. which I've only heard about. Yeah. And Captain Marvel is up for a couple craft awards. Oh, okay. Sure. Why not? Oh, listen to this. Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die gets a trailer. Hey, look at that. that that's I'm vindicated. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't just make that up. It's right here on Awards Daily. Wonderful. Well, one more piece, one more headline. Uh, you've probably seen this one. It's, it's keeping with our uh, us topic. Jordan Peele cannot see himself casting a white guy as the lead in any of his movies, saying, quote, I've seen that movie already. And the backlash from that. Oh, boy. Huh? <laughs> I couldn't agree with him more. Sure. What he's saying, and I don't, don't even feel like it's something for me to agree with. Right. It just is something that makes perfect sense to yeah. me. From everything I know about him and his, you know, his vibe as a dude, I'm guessing that wasn't a mic drop in your face moment. That was just a statement of his truth. I mean, that's kind of an obvious thing. Right. He has an opportunity to tell his stories with people who maybe wouldn't get cast in another situation. And it's just been the story of Hollywood that it, it is they make it hard to make stories with uh, black filmmakers, black voices, black actors. And I hear you have someone who's enough of a box office draw that they'll make anything he wants. Why wouldn't he do that? Sure. Agreed. All right, Dan, uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Brazil this week. Welcome back to Holds Up. This week, we're looking at the 1985 film Brazil, directed by Terry Gilliam. Last week, Dan, we talked about American Beauty, which is kind of a a big identity movie for you. Is that correct to say? That's a great the, way to say it. At the time, 20 years ago, at least. It was something that uh, was very specific to you, and it resonated with you. It was the high point of my year. Well, likewise, Brazil is one of those movies. I'm, I guess if you want to describe me as a type, I'm the makes people watch Terry Gilliam movies in college type of guy. And this was, this is like the ultimate Terry Gilliam movie. It was, it would have been at the top of my top five um, in college and, and beyond, but I have not watched it in over a decade. So coming back to it was very interesting. I was one of the people 
that you showed Brazil to in college. Yeah. I, I, I mean, these are, these movies do have a relationship because I loved American Beauty and you hated it. And right. I was mad at you about that. <laughs> and then you showed me Brazil. And because you liked it so much and I was a difficult person, I wasn't deciding that I wasn't going to like it. But at the same time, I wanted it to really impress me. You know? Sure. And I believe the hour was late. And <laughs> I was probably dozing in and out and yeah. probably didn't get a a fair experience of it sure at the time well something i noticed more as a 43 year old is that it's a rather noisy and uh drawn out affair as a movie uh i think that's one of the things i used to like about it before i get to what i used to like about it and what holds up i did i tried really hard to find some parallels between this and american beauty and all i got was that this movie is also a cartoon comedy with extremely dark elements and something to say about 20th century life. That's true. There's a character if I had to, yeah. who's trying, but there's a character who is both trying to make things work and escape at the same time. Right. Now, beyond that, how, you know, how the world gets fleshed out and everything couldn't be more different, but uh, I, I had to make that attempt to, to correlate the two movies. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. Content, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Running time. Uh, so what I what I loved about Brazil then is uh, it's like it's it's the the visionary work of one crazy director. It's a very lived in and unique world that's been built out um, with production design and effects and costumes and everything. It's it's a dark satire. It's got stuff to say about, you know, the government and it's it it it's also subversive of like action movie noise and tropes. Um, and I, I just couldn't believe that there was this crazy, expensive looking, weird movie. It was like Brazil and all of Gilliam's movies, but most of all, Brazil was like punk rock to me. It was just like art that had something really bold to say. And it was mine. That was then. And and now? <laughs> well, gosh, I can't say. So, all right. We talked about Tim Burton earlier and how I have the baggage with Tim Burton. There was a time when Burton and Gilliam were the two kind of visionary directors that were, that they were my jams. Like that, that I tracked with everything that they did. And Gilliam holds up better for me of the two. But I have kind of, to some extent, I think maybe outgrown them. And rewatching Brazil was very interesting. I so I guess what I still like about it is the production design, the music. I like Michael Palin. I think he's doing the most interesting thing as a performer. The way that his character is kind of outwardly warm and likable, but secretly horrifying. I like Catherine Hellman. Um, I like the line "Care for a little necrophilia." <laughs> I didn't like that. You didn't like that. No. <laughs> There's a whole lot of very quotable lines, but that don't really fit or make sense. And I'm pretty sure those were added by Tom Stoppard, the great playwright who was brought in to kind of save the script because it was so weird. And all he did was write weird jokes like, uh, oh, you have twins? Triplets. Oh, how time flies. Like things that make no sense <laughs> and are just scene, scene punctuation. Anyway. So in case anybody's not familiar, I guess I'll back up a little bit and say Brazil is this kind of dystopian science fiction 
political adventure trip of a movie um, that basically follows a guy named Sam Lowry. And it's a guy who is a cog in the bureaucracy who ends getting ends up getting swept up in intrigue and then having uh, adventures that culminate in uh, a nightmare, really. That's a good summary. I feel like I was not watching it again, even though I was, because as I said, the first time I watched it, I was not always in the land of the living. Yeah. And it's been, what, 20 years Mm -hmm. or so? I did not remember at all what the movie was about. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any any recollections of it. So what were your uh, general reactions to it this time? Well, this time I was very much wanting to like it. And I did at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I feel after having watched the whole thing, I wonder what a massively trimmed down and focused script might have looked like. Mm -hmm. I like the look of it. I like the feel and the tone. I like the zaniness. I think the characters were interesting. And at the beginning, I, I was going with it. I was going with this world. I was wanting to see the story that would be told. I even liked when the he's flying through the air mm-hmm. in a ridiculous costume that made me feel warm and happy for some reason. Mm-hmm. And as it just kept going and going and going, I started to feel like, what is this movie about? Is it about him and the girl? Is it about whatever's going on at his office? Right. You know, Robert De Niro's character, he is some sort of revolutionary who lives by his own rules and has, liberated himself from this oppressive regime yet to do what the same work just on his own terms right and and jump out a window like spider-man right is is that the best we can hope for yeah when i look at the the whole the whole arc of things i could see there being a trimmed down version because it is quite long how what's the running time yeah 142 minutes like almost two and a half hours and when you don't really understand Everything that's going on, a long running time is is hard. Yeah. So here's my grown-up critique of this movie. You also hit on a little bit of, of also while I was listing the things I love about it. I The thing that about Gilliam in general that I like is that he brings this visual, this kind of dark visual wonder to things that are like, he's really good at taking inner life and turning it into some kind of a uh, special effects sequence. And it's the same kind of thing that I liked and still like very much about the Fisher King, which I think is a superior movie to Brazil now. Um, but where Robin Williams character Perry's disturbed inner life kind of becomes manifested in these, these visual flourishes uh, of filmmaking. And so that's 20, 20, 25 year old me was really into that and really responded to that today. What doesn't hold up for me as much about, Brazil in particular, is that it is very indulgent. It is very long. It is very noisy. And for a movie that is so proud of itself for skewering uh, tropes of Star Wars and action movies, it really indulges in a whole lot of them and is a a lot of noise. And Gilliam has kind of, he's kind of looking down his nose at these boyhood fantasies, but I don't know what this movie is if it's not a boyhood fantasy. It's just a little more snooty than your typical one, I guess. And the the other big issue for me is Sam as a character, as a protagonist. I, I could definitely see what they're going for in the story of a 
a milk toast, a kind of a weak man caught up in a system who gets caught up in intrigue and then ends up helping tear it down, or does he? But I feel like as much as I love Jonathan Price, I don't know, and I don't know that it lands on him. I think it's probably more likely the script that this character does not learn anything or go on a journey other than having random episodes happen to him and the girl that he's pursuing beyond being a badass she doesn't really have much of a character by the time they couple i don't know why why she would go for that at that point other than that he's done his time and earned it he doesn't have an a moral arc they don't have any kind of arc together he's not going to learn something like that all of that to me was just kind of going through paces i agree if you want to have sort of a, a boy meets girl and they're destined to be together story, then do that. But there's that time when they meet and rather than just following for him mindlessly, as would be that convention, she kind of rejects him and, you know, kicks him out of the truck and doesn't like him. But then without anything else seeming to happen, right? as far as I was concerned, they're now in love Yes, and, and an item. And he his motivation seems to be self-advancement and getting the girl. Those are the only two things I was trying to track and see. Is there a moment where he kind of, you know, turns to the resistance, but it's only because he's just such a coward, which is fine. It could all just be a comedy of errors, but it does follow too much of that arc. And he ends up with the girl and they're in bed and why? And then, so I just felt like um, this movie wants to just play a lot. And it doesn't really have anything much to say, ultimately. Can you imagine if he would have had a moment of moral conscience and joining the resistance and they would have had to go through all of that right. in addition to everything right. else True. that was going on? I can't imagine. It. And there, there is a little bit of it in some of the – a lot of this movie's – the stuff that has the most impact for me has always been the kind of fantasy stuff. And there is a little bit of that with the, the those weird – baby monsters and the the woman what have you done with his body like he is haunted by conscience and yet it doesn't affect his character in the slightest and it's kind of frustrating for that yeah i wish they'd given stoppard another hour with it yeah maybe yeah <laughs> one thing i'll say for it is that it looks like a million bucks for a 1985 film yeah even by today's standards i watch it and you know it looks like a, an older movie but not that much right it it doesn't look embarrassing, and I wonder if in 1985 that was part of its novelty. Yeah, something that we get all the time by way of visuals. Right. Oh my god, how'd they do that? That looks amazing. Right. That's what arrested me the first time I saw this movie. I couldn't believe you know, I saw it very young when I was kind probably because I was going through Monty Python material, and this just is kind of ancillary to all of that. So hey, this guy from Monty Python made a movie, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I guess, you know, that was enough to to hook me in. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was a surrealist journey, if you can call it a journey. It is pretty episodic. Or if there was meaning mm -hmm. behind some of the strangeness. It was almost pre-matrixy to me. Yeah. Where at the end, it seems like they've escaped and they've made it out of this oppressive grid. And they're living on this idyllic sort of ranch in the middle of nowhere. Right. But then maybe not. Maybe yeah. it was all a dream. But who cares? Right. If that's what he thinks he's doing, what's the difference? And to me, that's um, Matrix launch point. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. For his sake, 
I'm glad that he's going to be with a fantasy version of her. Right. <laughs> rather True. than in reality with this person you just met now stuck off the grid trying to survive together turning into the Bickersons. Right. <laughs> right. Know? And I suppose you could go back and say, well, was anything, could everything from the moment when Jill starts to act, you know, friendly, could that be all in his head from that point on? Because it really makes no sense that they would have a, a, a legitimate romance. Could the whole movie right. be? I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I guess right. not. So I have a personal story relating to Brazil that I wanted to uh, relate here for the first time. Back in the late 90s, I would have been. So when I knew you. Well, you knew me at the tail end of 1999. Right. So it's very possible it was before me. It it quite it could be. It might have been a summer while I was still an undergrad. I went home and a good friend of mine, I hope it's okay that I'm telling the story, but it happened so long ago. A good buddy of mine named Brian was uh, tending house for the screenwriter Bruce Joel Rubin, who wrote the movie Ghost, Oscar winning screenwriter of Ghost and other movies like Jacob's Ladder is, is one that I really like that he wrote. Um, and we fed his llamas and hung out in his home a little bit. And it was my friend's job. I was just there kind of hanging out. And then we had a chance when Mr. Rubin came home to talk with him and sit with him. And he was very, very friendly. And he he asked us our favorite movie. <laughs> and without really thinking, we both said, I think in unison, Brazil. And there was a look on his face of such polite uh, kind of, you know, friendly. Oh, okay. All right. Like he had us pegged immediately based on that answer. And we just kind of drained the air out of the room. And I, this is only in hindsight that I really understand it this way. At the time I was like, yeah, no, yeah, that's right. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm embarrassed that I liked Brazil, but I think it just pegged me as a, as a sort um, and I, maybe my friend Brian remembers it differently. I'll have to ask him if he remembers that, but yeah, that's my, uh, my scarlet letter story. I don't think it's a source of shame. I think that that was something that really meant a lot to you and pegs you or not, you know, you're the kind of person who liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. Right. <laughs> you're, you're, you're good at liking good Thanks, movies. Dan. This is, this has been healthy. So does Brazil hold up? You know, I want to say, I mean, I guess if I'm qualifying it, it's not enthusiastic mm -hmm. in it's holding up. I think it holds up by way of its visuals and its professionalism. I think it holds up by what it was trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for me to compare because my first watching was, you know, nothing to compare to. I'm glad that I watched it again and got to see it. Yeah, I am. I am by no means ashamed or embarrassed that I loved the movie Brazil. I uh, think it does hold up. It is what it is. I still think it's a pretty bold vision. I think it's just uh, a bit more shallow than I ever had it pegged for. But as an exercise in kind of auteur imagination and visual effects-driven filmmaking, uh, I think it holds up as a, as a great piece of work. And I'm happy that it's still around and that it looks so good. And I definitely think people who haven't seen it should give it a watch. All right. Well, this has been a heavily edited episode of Holds Up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Dan, are you going to... I want to...
I want to apologize again for what I said. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. We've been Josh and Dan. You can follow us both on Twitter and Letterboxd. Our theme music is by Jonah Rapino. That's our show, and we'll revisit you next time. Mine is a journey, at least, I guess. It's not a very interesting one. I went from standing this movie to being okay with it. So, but it's a, <laughs> it's a story of maybe, I don't know, maybe I could have leaned into how I've changed as a person a little more and why, but I don't think it plays into that as much as American Beauty did. The story of a boy who went from standing a movie <laughs> to being all right with it. Tale as old as time. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is more just about tastes refining in age you know it's not really like with american beauty i had to stick up my butt and then now i can watch it with open eyes this is more just living with something and growing up a little bit so well it's like going to art school and why do i need to learn art you know art is my passion whatever you know you can also learn some learn some discipline and some shape and some form and i feel like you know brazil might have benefited from that sure I say you know instead of um. That's okay. That's probably better than um. Mine is uh, and then like a third twenty seconds of silence. <laughs> so that you're you're doing good as far as verbal ticks go. It's also not. You, it's not fair. You should get an editorial pass because when I edit the show, everything you said is fine, and I just gloss over it and leave it all in, and then I cut out like <laughs> my errant syllables. So because I'm so used to. You don't. You're. You're fortunate that I have such a bad memory because I listened to this like way too many times, more times than I'd like to admit. And it's on like the third listen. It'll be like, oh, he cut out that thing I said. Uh-huh. <laughs> you really have a lot of editorial control. I do, and maybe that maybe you need to unionize and challenge me.